Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. This week, we're talking about the film sweeping the nation, Get Out. And this film stars an American in the lead role, right? Yeah. Wrong. We'll oh, Brit's taking our jobs. Right? And we're also going to talk about a pair of twins who made the pact to only speak to each other. Period. I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we're checking in with Belgium and the Netherlands. Forecast, blackface. <laughs> <laughs> So the bit of pop culture on everyone's minds these days is a film called Get Out. Mm-hmm. Get Out. We've Get all, Out and see it. On yes. everyone's yeah. minds and in everyone's nightmares. We all yeah. agree mm-hmm. that, listener, you should go see it. If you've already seen it, see it again. Twice. Can't hurt. I'm going to see it a second time. I haven't had, like, in such a long time, the sense that, like, this is the movie that if I do not see it, I'm missing out on such a fundamental conversation. Someone comes and revokes your millennial card. If they, they do. They will take it away. And yeah. my green card, too. That oh, one, too. <laughs> so if you don't already know, this movie is about a black gentleman who goes home to meet the parents of his white girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And he's like, well, have you told them I'm black? And she's like, no, it's not a big deal. Like, my dad would have voted for Obama third term. Like, he loves black people. It'll be fine. Things are not fine. Mm. We'll just leave it at that. So we'll just leave it at fine. Yeah. Think of Meet the Parents only racism (laughs) and frightening, (laughs) terrifying things. I had never thought of it that way. But yes, (laughs) I did not expect it to be so funny, actually. I thought it was going to be a straight up horror, and it's definitely a comedy horror. Well, I will say that I am not a fan of horror films. There's enough terror going on in the world, Mm. enough scary things going on in the world. There's enough threat in the world. I see it on Facebook. I don't need to pay anybody Mm -hmm. to terrify me. But this particular film, I was like, I saw the preview for it and I was like, oh no, it's happening. I'm going. Mm -hmm. Yes. You can't deny his eyes in that trailer and in the movie. (sighs) Can his eyes just win the Oscar? Like he doesn't even have to show up. He could just send his eyes there. I mean, I love him too. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. But matter (laughs) of fact, can his eyes just come on the Cooler Podcast? If you are listening, just send your eyes. If you can't make it, send your eyes. So we can't get too deep into the levels as Jameter says. No, no, no. Of that's, this therein movie. lies spoilers. There's so many spoilers, and we want to give you the opportunity to go see it because it's only been out for like a week or two. And mm-hmm. it's twisty. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we'll just talk about something vague, like <laughs> <laughs> just being in the audience for that movie was so fun. Everyone's reacting, everyone's freaking out. Oh it was like gosh. a sense of unity against a white oppressor, which rarely <laughs> happens in this country, and agreeing that black lives do matter. Oh, hello. On screen and controversial off. opinion, apparently. Huh. <laughs> So I was wondering which other movies have you guys been in in recent years where just being in the audience was so fun and it was just part of the spirit of the movie. Oh, my God. Well, at the end of, again, I do not want to spoil anything, but at the end of Get Out, there is a moment. And when you see it, you will know what Uh it is. And the audience just erupted. People were like hollering and cheering and clapping. It was phenomenal. The closest I have come to that in an entirely different context and setting in the last couple of years was watching Magic Mike XXL <laughs> at the Castro Theater in oh. San Francisco. It wow. was phenomenal. And actually, I do feel partly responsible for this, but not in the reason you might have anticipated. So they started the show with a live performance. Mm-hmm. They uh, contracted a group of strippers to come wow. on stage okay. and, uh, and do their thing. And it was wonderful and glorious. I may have got a little excited because I'd seen one of those stunts, like those viral internet stunts that yeah. um, Channing Tatum had done the week before where he like turned up at a performance and did a yes. dance. 
I thought this was happening again. I thought, of course it's happening now. It's the Castro Theatre. It's the end of the film festival. The time is right. You were like, Channing, come on out. That is Channing Tatum. So I may or may not have yelled, oh my God, that's Channing Tatum. (laughs) Quite loudly from the back of the theatre. And you know how these things just Mayhem ensued at that point. It was was incredible. Three people were trampled to death. It's not your fault, though. We were like animals. Turns out it wasn't Channing Tatum. (laughs) It was just some other dudes. What about you, Jamidra? Well, so this is what I will go on record and say. In the black community, we talk to our movie screens. Huh. So if you go to a movie that has a predominantly black cast and you see it in a neighborhood where it is a predominantly black neighborhood, the chances are people will talk throughout the movie at the film. So literally every film that I have seen that has a predominantly black cast, there's been a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, the one that I've seen in recent memory that was not a predominantly black cast and that was just at your run-of-the-mill theater was Bridesmaids. Oh, yes. So I saw Bridesmaids shortly after I got married with my bridesmaids. We may <gasps> or may have not snuck beverages into the theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, delicious Diet Coke yes, and Pepsi. <laughs> and Many beverages I are available. Don't, and judging by the reactions of the audience, I don't think we were the only ones who had had, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. And it was a good time. And you passed around the Coca-Cola. Uh, we'll we go yes, with that. Absolutely. And you said, you'll like it, it's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I think I sweated with laughter watching that film. Yeah. Oh. The God. whole airplane scene where she's like, whatever you say, stove. It's Steve. What a kind of name is that? Well, that's not a name. My name is Steve. Are you an appliance? No, I'm a man, and my name is Steve. You're a flight attendant. That's absolutely accurate. This should be open, because it's civil rights. This is the 90s. Right. It's not. You're, you're in the wrong decade. You are. Oh, it's Beautiful. time for us to rewatch that. Um, mine is... You're like, since you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Emmanuel, what's your favorite? Thank you. Mine will elicit some eye rolls in the room. Okay, let me get my... Oh, let me God, prep. it's not going to be little... Let me prep my... Mermaid, is it? Oh, it's not. <laughs> Harry Potter. Oh, I, I try not... I didn't Here's why. Them. I mean the, like, later films, because by that point, all the people there, especially on opening night, have read all the books, have these, like, intense relationships with these characters. We weren't sure how it was going to be portrayed on film. Mm. And we knew some gory stuff was going to happen. We would have to say goodbye to certain characters forever. And people were just in the aisles, very upset. Were these adult and people? happy yeah. people. Just like, Jamidra, <laughs> my lady. Keep it real. We already, know, we already know you were jamming at the Taylor Swift concert with yeah. some teeny bops. Yes. So were, were these adult people crying? or It was a mix. I'm going to plead the fifth by quoting one Aaliyah. AJ number to number. <laughs> we don't want to unpack that yeah. statement too. <laughs> Because <laughs> then we get into R. Kelly. Let's not look too close. We don't have time for that. Yeah. I would like to remind the audience, though, that both books for children and grown-ups are available in the world. I'm just going to say that. Wow. <laughs> I'm mm. just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> just being a bitch. But hang on a minute, guys. Did you know that the lead actor in Get Out, 27-year-old Daniel Kaluuya, he is not an American? What? Not until you told me. Yes, well, thank you for feigning. <laughs> like, <shock>. <laughs> <laughs> Because I told you before and you were both like, what? He's not. He is a British man. Britishman, we like to say. Britishman. Britishman. Okay, hello. And that's been a little bit controversial. You may have seen recently. Samuel L. Jackson Mm -hmm. has criticized director Jordan Peele for casting a black British actor in the role rather than 
an American guy. Did he use the word motherfucker when he did the criticism? Because you know he did not. <laughs> not according to the quotes I have, which is really okay. quite tame. You know, Samuel. Samuel yeah. does not care. Samuel. <laughs> but he said, I tend to wonder what that movie, he means Get Out, would have been with an American brother who really feels that. Mm. And by feels that, he means obviously the history of racial oppression in America. And Samuel L. Jackson is dubious that a British actor can convey the same thing. How are people feeling about this? Apparently every which way. John Boyega, oh, John Boyega yeah. of Star Wars tweeted, Black Brits versus African American, a stupid ass conflict we don't have time for. And mm. John is British and black. And he thinks Samuel L. Jackson is wrong for saying this. Ooh. But it's definitely a thing. Like there are so many black British actors on TV who you would never know are British because their accents are flawless. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do a little bit of research onto why this is. There's an actor called David Howard who is a black British actor and he plays the CIA boss in Homeland. His take on it is that there just are not the roles for whatever reason in the UK for black actors. And he says, unfortunately, there really aren't that many roles for authoritative, strong black characters in this country and he means the United Kingdom he says we just don't write those characters I don't want to trash this place however but I do think there is a certain lack of ambition in terms of telling a global story and there are quite a few other actors who feel the same way but interestingly there are other black actors from the UK who say that it's about the general like lack of ambition in the UK full stop like I was reading interviews Mm. with Naomi Harris and Tandy Newton who are both black actresses grew up in the UK Naomi Harris? yeah Yes, this is what, what? I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Secret <laughs> Brits. Secret They're Brits. among us. So they say they're just like, the roles just aren't good. It's They kind of almost divorce it from the race thing. And Spike Lee was asked about casting black British actors as Americans. And he says, they're good. They're well trained. They came through the stage and not a music video or whatever. And that's actually mm. quite a common Ooh. view. Listen, he thought shots The read. Fire. Shots fired. Yeah. I have a retort. What I will say oh. is that that is a product of Anglophilia. There are plenty of American actors who have training, and I will list some of them now. Okay. <coughs> Mahershala Ali, Hello. trained. Oh. Viola Davis, trained. Trained. Denzel, trained. trained. Kerry Washington, boom. Octavia Spencer, Hopau, mm. Taraji, <laughs> woo, bang, and more. Kablooey. So many more. So then I will ask you, so does the UK have like the equivalent of like a Hollywood, sort of like a big creative engine that produces films oh, and movies does, and all of that? It's based very much in London and it is undeniably smaller. I can see how any actor would be like, this, you know, there just isn't this gigantic industry. There aren't these big roles that I want to play. Um, I was doing some research on this and there are two pieces online I'd really recommend. There's actually a BuzzFeed piece by Kelly L. Carter called The Rise of the Black British Actor in America, which she wrote after... David Oyelowo played Martin Luther King, like the quintessential American role. This piece makes the case that it's like a combination of the lack of roles in the UK generally and for black actors and the British tradition of receiving this kind of formal theatrical training. Mm -hmm. There's also a great piece on The Guardian right now, which is a conversation between two journalists called Gary Young and Joseph Harker. And they take opposing views on what Samuel L. Jackson said about the casting of Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. And Gary Young says that people shouldn't be squabbling over the crumbs that fall from the table. That's his phrase. So he Mm -hmm. kind of agrees with John Boyega. And Joseph Harker says that, yeah, it is a problem to cast a black Brit as a black American because it kind of reduces the black experience to one homogenous idea that kind of doesn't exist anywhere else but the mind of some like studio executive who doesn't really know what they're talking about. 
So these mm. are both really interesting pieces. But the point is, but for whatever reason, black British actors in particular have become or have had to become really, really good at sounding and being American. Perfect in that American accent. Indeed. To the extent that so many folks over here don't really know that they're even not American <laughs> until they do like those press junkets and they turn up being like, all right. And you're like, wait a minute, what? They're like, what? <laughs> is that, it, it, now, I remember watching one person in particular on a show called The Wire. Aha. Uh, uh-huh. And I remember seeing an interview and I was like, is this his, is he in, Is he practicing for a character in this role? Why is he pretending <laughs> or, to be well, I don't understand why he's pretending to be, what is this? <laughs> He's either Daniel day Lewis saying and like in character for a different role, or I'm drunk, or yeah, what's just, going. There's on? something happening. I'm just not sure what. But exactly. just in case you had any doubts, I want to make my case. Okay, I have some clips for you. Number one, let's hear Daniel Kaluuya as Christopher in Get Out. Call me off guard, right? But it's cool because I'm cured. It worked. Nice little out of context clip there. And now, <laughs> mm-hmm. hear what he actually sounds like. Feel like when he's like, oh my god, we have to give it our all for it to make it work, and and I feel the cast and the crew and everyone pulled in together to make this work to really try and elevate this script. Who that? Wow. Same guy. Same guy. That. Told you. Okay, I got another one. It's David Oyelowo as Martin Luther King. No citizen of this country can call themselves blameless, for we all bear a responsibility for our fellow man. I am appealing to men and women of God and goodwill everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, he goes on to say some other things, obviously, but, you know, we're a limited time podcast. Carly, what does he sound like when he's British? That's a great question, (laughs) Emmanuel. Have a listen. The thing about him is that he wasn't just a... A talker, even though we celebrate his oratory, he was a doer. I mean, he talked about love and he exhibited love. That dude is posh. Oh, yeah. So I have a question for you, and I don't know if if you can answer it. Is there the same feeling in the UK? Like, do American, black American actors go over and then are British actors offended by us? Because I know there are a couple of American actors who have done stage plays in the UK. That's actually a good point. I was reading about how this, like, the the opposite kind of flow of work doesn't really happen. You don't get black American actors cast as British people Mm. in general. So now Maybe. I gotta start working on my accent. We gotta. So yeah. now I know where. There's an opening. Yeah, there's an opening. Gap in the market. <laughs> but guys, I saved the best for last. Idris Elba, mm-hmm. man of my dreams, as Stringer Bell in The Wire. This is what he sounded like. All right, let's try this. Y'all get Jack by some knuckles, but y'all clean. Y'all got an outstanding warrant like everybody in here. And what do you do? Well, I, for one, imagine him shirtless. <laughs> but listen, this is how Mr. Elba sounds. And for those of you who've watched Luther on Netflix, you know how he sounds already, mm-hmm. but just have a listen. Hi there, Idris Elba here, and I'd like you to be my Valentine. That's right, love. Just you and me, no one else around, just us. I mean, how dare you play that clip and do that to my underwear? How Why did you take you? your pants off, Emmanuel? <laughs> I'm surprised yours are still on. <laughs> What the hell? Like that soft jazz in the background yeah. while he tells us just, that we're yeah. the that loves of his life. Set like, the what? It set the moon. My favorite bit is, that's right, love. That is right. That is absolutely that is In short, all these dudes are really good at doing American accents. Yeah. Not everybody is. So if you want to hear someone do a really good American accent, go see Get Out. Yeah. And stay for the... <laughs> that's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> and stay for the um, messaging around racism in America. Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. for the accent, stay for the social commentary. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. I liked that. Get out, leave right now. It's the end of you and me. 
You know, Emmanuel is usually the one who takes us on these stories, these magical stories. Once upon a time. His historical field trips get on the bus. Yes, we hop into time machines and we go on magical experiences with him. Well, today is my day. Yes. I want to tell you guys a little story about a set of twins named June and Jennifer Gibbons. Okay. Do tell. Okay. So they are also known as the silent twins. Uh Uh-oh. Already? I'm intrigued? I'm creeped. So June and Jennifer Gibbons were born in 1963 in Barbados, okay? So what makes this unique, because, you know, twins are born every day. Why are they yeah. special? Yeah. Wait, They're related you know to Rihanna. Twins? I know about twins, you know, Beyonce. Twins, like, wait. So listen, so their parents moved shortly after to Haverford West, Wales. Am I saying that right? You're like, I don't know what. Oh, Haverford West. Haverford West. See, yeah. look, I got to get my accent. I'm working on it so that I can go to go get my job. Uh, don't, yes. go to, don't go to Wales. No. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly. So they moved there. They were the only black children in their community, and they were bullied mercilessly. Oh. So they decided that they would develop their own language. So they had already been talking to each other, and they spoke in rapid-fire patois. And so only they could understand it. So they got to a point where they would only communicate with each other and their little sister, Rose. So by the time they turned 14, you know, their parents were like, you know, we can't have this. Let's see what we can do. They called in some therapists who tried to break them up. They sent them off to different boarding schools and tried to separate them. You know, they didn't need to do that. They didn't need Come to on. do that. So they went catatonic. When they were separated, oh. they wouldn't communicate with anybody. They just kind of got limp. They were just like, we're not doing this. So eventually doctors were like, this is not working. We can't keep them separate. They had them come back together. They go back home. They lock themselves in their room, and they continue to only communicate with one another. However, they got a diary in 1979 as a Christmas gift, and they decided that, you know what? I'm going to make the most of this being locked in my room thing. <laughs> I'm going to take, well, it wasn't an online course because online wasn't around <laughs> that point. I'm going to take a mail-order course for creative writing, That's and I am going to become a novelist. Yes. Yes. So the two of them started writing books, like writing short stories, writing novelists. Some of them were a little dark. Mm-hmm. Jennifer wrote a story about a physician who was so eager to save his child's life that he killed a dog. And did a heart transplant Whoa. for his son. And then the dog's spirit came back and eventually killed the physician. So it was like wow. <laughs> deep, deep. Yeah. So American they, Horror Story. Dogs. Pretty much the, <laughs> uh, the original one. So they did a lot of self-publishing through like a press company, like an independent press company. See, I mean, they were they were self-starters. Yeah, I love that. They were a lot, but they were, they were self-starters. Also, some stories report that they had a brief fling with American boys who were in the U.S. Navy. So I don't know how you do that if you're hey, not girl, talking. Hey. Oh, but, plot thick. Yes. You know, you don't always have to talk. I was going to say, <laughs> sometimes. So after that, they got into a little trouble and started committing some crimes. What? Whoa, Sometimes I didn't know about this Here part. and there. Um, what kind? Arson. But you know. Oh, just, just low-key. Just low-key. Um, low-key things. And so they were then admitted to Broadmoor Hospital, which Ooh, is like a high-security mental health. that's a bad place. Yeah, so they were there. June says that she believes that they stayed for so long because they were in there for 14 years. What? And just for context, Broadmoor is where, like, bad people in the UK are sent when they do bad things. I like, thought that was Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Too much? Too much? Too soon. Sorry, just history. (laughs) They were in there for 14 years. And so Jennifer later said, juvenile delinquents get two years in prison. We got 12 years of hell because we didn't speak. We lost hope, really. I wrote a letter to the queen asking her to get us out, but we were trapped. And all they did was be fly novelists. Fly novelists. Self-publishers. Exactly. So the story of June and Jennifer got a little bit more press when the Sunday Times journalist Marjorie Wallace 
sort of like took interest in them. Also, The Sun, like the British tabloid The Sun, also did a little story about them. And the headline was Genius Twins Won't Speak. So apparently when they were being admitted to Broadmoor, they were tested and their intelligence was like above average. So they were choosing not to speak. Their intelligence was above average. And they were just like, we're doing what we want to do. So their language, which is called, so I learned a new word. It's called, oh, maybe I didn't learn it. (laughs) Idioglossia, which means, it's like, it means an idiosyncratic language invented and spoken by one person or very few people. It qualifies as cryptophasia, which is a phenomenon of a language that is developed by twins. So they went from speaking fast-paced patois and they were like, people could barely understand them. And they were like, you know what, let's just take this a step further. Mm -hmm. Let's just like create our own thing where only we understand one another. Just write our own dictionary. So that's what they did. So they got to a point where they kind of hated each other. They had a love-hate relationship because they could only speak to one another. So it was like, girl, I hate you. But, you know, you're all I got. So at some point they decided at Broadmoor that they would have a pact that one of them would have to die so the other one could go on what? and this live a normal life. This just took a turn. Right? This is like Winona and Gwyneth all over <laughs> again. So, just like that. <laughs> in March of 1993, the twins were being transferred from Broadmoor to Caswell Clinic. Does that sound familiar? I don't know that Why one. do I think? I need to stop treating you like that. I'm treating you know that you need a black do. person. And you're like, do you know Obama? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, Carly, this is British. Do you know about that? Hey, Jamidra, like- can you set up a meeting with me in the black congressional <laughs> caucus? Thanks. Carly, you know all the Brits, right? Just, I would just like the- to point out I do know the queen. <laughs> I've actually been to her house. It's what? A, it's a dump. Okay, so we got to <laughs> we, we need a whole episode. It's shabby, guys. <laughs> So apparently they were being transferred to Caswell Clinic and Jennifer laid her head down in June's lap in the van and died. Just like decided. Died. I'm out. Peace out. And and upon upon like autopsy, they couldn't determine how she died. There's no reason. Jennifer maintains that they made this pact that she said she would die so the other one could go on. Oh, my God. And then the other twin changed her name to Rihanna, and now she is who we know. Yeah. Something is like that. Is that how this sense? So Fenty times Puma. After that, June, the twin who lived, began speaking again and went on to live a normal life. Almost like she was released from something. Right. And she said that that was the pact. We had decided, and she what? died so that I can live. After Jennifer passed, June said, quote, I'm free at last, liberated, and at last Jennifer has given up her life for me. Wow. Yikes. Ride or die. Right. And I guess die is part of that whole thing. Twins, dude. Woo. Twins. So the moral of the story is stop bullying people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And even if you never talk to anybody else, you can go on to be a self-publishing novelist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. The moral of the story is we have done nothing with our lives because we, we don't have nope. published books. And how many people have we talked to? <laughs> Too many. Too, Too many. many. Okay, so from now on, this podcast is just silent yep. every week. Because we're busy working on our novels. Yep. <laughs> We've gone dark. Exactly. And well, shout out to June, who is still alive, living a life Oh, privately. really? Yes. Yes, queen. Yes. Okay, now you're talking my language. 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 So remember last week when we made kind of a big to-do about the peak in the pit no longer being called that and now being called Thorn in the Rose in honor of the Obamas? Yeah. I do remember that. It was a rebirth of sorts. Yes. Yeah. Phoenix from the ashes kind of thing. Well, it needs to go back into the ashes oh, for because God's sake. a loving fan on Twitter Shout out. let us know that another podcast already does a similar segment called Thorn in the Rose. God damn it. So we're going to retreat back to our original intention, which was Peak and Pit. Mm -hmm. No plagiarists, we. 
No. Sorry about the whiplash, people. <laughs> so the pit could go to us, but it's not going to. <laughs> the pit goes to model Carly Kloss. So Carly Kloss, I don't know much about her other than she likes to hang out with Taylor Swift. And she's she, part of the girl's squad. She's part yes, of the she squad. Is. I follow okay. her on Instagram. And Carly Kloss was part of a feature in Love magazine. Oh, And they had her fill out a questionnaire that was all about being a mega fan of someone. It starts, who are you the biggest fan of? She writes all caps... Beyonce. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. She's I'm passed down. the first test. Yas Queen, agreed. Mm-hmm. Let's go we're, on. We're all on the same page. Let me just, let me, let me turn the page. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Tastes good. <laughs> Since when? Destiny's Child 2003. I mean, it's a little late in mm-hmm. Destiny's Child because they ended the next year, but fine. Yeah, like, I was her, like, okay, so that's because that was a 1990s thing, but okay. Yeah. But I see Everyone's you. on their own journey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Still cute. Mm-hmm. Keep yeah, them cute. This is fine. Here's fine. where it takes a turn. How have they influenced your life? She is the soundtrack of my life. I mean, come on. Waterfalls? <gasps> Waterfalls is actually by TLC, for those who don't know. Yeah. A it's different group a different, with black women in it. Yes. And uh, if you're such a big fan of Beyonce, you might know that. But here we are. So all I'll say is, in the age of hidden fences, she is on trend <laughs> for conflating two different artworks that happen to have black people in them. Uh. Why? She's right on time, but she's still wrong. Okay, so she I feel like she needs the pit, but also Love Magazine. How could you, like, mm. who's the editor-in-chief? You'd think that someone would have looked at it and thought, I'm just going to give her a call. Yeah, like, this is not... But hey, when was the last time we mentioned Love Magazine on this show? Very That's true. true. Okay. So everyone wins except for basic humanity and right. decency and Destiny Child discography. And, and basic being the watchword. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, give credit where it's due. Chili. T-Bars, left eye. We're going to lift right out of that mm-hmm. with the peak of the week. Yes. Some backstory before we get to mm-hmm. the little clip I'm going to play. Uh-oh. In the Netherlands and Belgium, they have this holiday tradition where this man, Sinterklaas, who's Santa Claus, is out in public greeting the people, mm-hmm. kind of like we have Santa at the malls and stuff. Feeling himself. Exactly. And feeling his white beard the whole bit. <laughs> Unlike American Santa, he does not have a fleet of reindeer or elves helping him. Hmm. He has... Someone called Zvarta Piet. Oh no! Oh gosh, no! Translation: No, no. Black Pete, his yeah. friend. Okay, who's black? Okay, so he's like, no, I don't need the reindeers. Just give me a black no, person, and I'll one be black fine. person. Okay, but the trouble is, he's not usually actually black, right? Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. So this whole concept was introduced in 1850. Black Pete was described then as being a Moor from Spain. Now he's portrayed by white people in complete blackface with exaggerated lips and gold Um. earrings. And they just like run around and it's part of their tradition, tradition, they say. A lot of people are coming around and being like, hmm, Hmm. that seems a little racist. And then of course you get the knee jerk reaction of like war on Christmas type of vibes where now right wing nationalistic parties such as the party for freedom Guys, it's not like Europe has a problem with those right now. Come on. Come out and 
freak out over this. Holding on to their heritage and tradition. Is that what the... the yes. Yeah. And, no. the, and they're scared about losing domination over government and all this stuff. We, we know this story. We don't have to get... able to do it because we've always done it. Exactly. So what if it's wrong? Yes. So finally, in recent years, people are coming around a little bit. But it's still widely done. And a lot of people are like... It's not racist. It's just fun and it's our culture. So we have a ways to go. But back in the 90s, which is eons ago, it is. there were a group of people who knew what was right. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask because I've been, I'm digging for the peak in this. Yeah. In this. There's a peak. Wait, <laughs> is it the Spice Girls? It's the Spice Girls. Oh my God, it was. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was a joke. So they were on a talk show. The host is like, oh, we're going to bring out a bunch of Black Pete's. And they had seen this army of racist characters backstage already, so they knew what was going to happen. And then the following occurs. No! Go up no! Thanks, Pizza. I think, I think they shouldn't paint their faces. You should get proper black people to do it. You shouldn't paint their faces. That's I don't a... think that's very good. No, 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 but that's tradition. That's culture. That's tradition. Yeah, but you should I'm get proper. One of the five is Winnie Mandela. Hello, Winnie. I think you should change it. I think you should change it. I think you should change it. You shouldn't have their faces painted. This is the 90s. Yeah, but that's culture. No, You've no, I'll say your culture. It's yeah, our, but you should get proper ones, proper black people. Is that Mel? That's Mel. Mel I'm sorry Mel. that it had to be Mel. Well, also, Jerry and Mel C were also speaking up. Emma and Posh Spice, Victoria, quite silent. Hmm. We see you. We judge you. Yes. So, peak of the week to the Spice Girls for being woke as f- Back in the 90s. I would say this is a retroactive peak. <laughs> yes. yes. And saying, this is the 90s, which is another great bridesmaids quote. So if you need a woke bay to go see Get Out with any of the Spice Girls, except for the two I mentioned. Okay, so we did a peak, a retroactive peak. Let's take it back to this past weekend. Okay. Please. Because I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, and it's been a, a trying time on Facebook these days mm-hmm. with all kinds of news. I think no matter who you are, everyone times are can tough. say that times are tough. And I stumbled upon this one post. From the one and only Baltimore Police Department. Oh, Who thought yeah. the Baltimore Police Department would provide laughs for me over the weekend? I did because I grew up there. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to go on and mention that although I may have been having a challenging week, a gentleman by the name of Keith Gladden in Baltimore was having an even more challenging week because he was pulled over and apprehended with a weapon. Okay. Now this weapon, I'm pretty sure, is the weapon that was brought to the duel between Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And that and other dude. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, tell yeah. me that the cops who pulled him over were called Bunk and McNulty. I'm just all of that. Yes. And so before I start, I just want you to participate in this joy. So I am going to pass around a screenshot. <clears throat> wow. This is analog. You printed out yes. a screenshot and we're getting yes, it like yes, a, yes. a class handout. A screenshot of said weapon. Is this duct tape? It, it, there is duct tape on the handle. Okay. Um, oh and for God. the people who listen, for our podcast listeners, I have a special treat for you. My Facebook page, Jimmy Brown Fleischman, is private. However, I have made this post public <laughs> so that you can log on and take a look. Have a gander at this photo before I continue. Oh, wait. Go ahead. Now that you have it, I will just let you know that the comedy... Ensue. So I don't know if, if Baltimore PD meant for this to be funny or if they knew that it would take off like it would. But as divided as this, as this country is right now, everyone united around the comedy that is this weapon. It's an antique. It is an antique. <laughs> I'm not even sure that you could fire it at someone. You would probably have to like crank it beforehand. Just, uh, yeah. So I'm just going to go and read a few of the gems that were in the comments section oh. of this post. Michael Von Sass said, 
I was under the impression that John Wilkes Booth was no longer alive. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. <laughs> exactly. Stephen Flagg, people joking about this are sick. That gun could take down your horse with one shot and put a hole through your cloak after a lengthy reloading process. Cloak jokes. I love it. Oh, historical jokes are the best. David Philip Young says, officers also recovered a monocle, top hat, and distressed damsel. <laughs> one of my favorites, Dave Lander, I hope he had a gramophone in his buggy <laughs> playing chameleonaires riding dirty when they pulled him over. Wow. Uh, Dave Prime, this man wasn't trying to commit a crime. He was trying to start a track meet. I'm just saying, it looks like a track meet. (laughs) Jeff Kramer, when you're gangsta and a Civil War reenactor, but can only afford one gun. (laughs) Wow. And I'm going to end this with a post. First of all, let me point out that the Baltimore Police Department, whoever was running the social media account, was actively liking a lot of these posts. Oh, so yes. they were completely engaged. Then they went on to post, If it pleases the court, we will ensure we safeguard this firearm and ensure the safety of all the village of Lord Baltimore. <laughs> Whilst this young lad possesses his weapon illegally, his punishment shall not include that of public stoning. He therefore shall be recommended as a candidate for reenactment just up the road in Gettysburg. So, again, I am campaigning to be a British actor. Mm -hmm. So, help me out, Garly. Shout out to Baltimore PD. (laughs) (laughs) And shout out to Baltimore PD for bringing us all together around this gun. And um, Keith, I hope it's working out for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I'm sorry. Let me end on this note. As Aaron Bethia said in the comments, all these comments should be read at his hearing. This should be punishment enough. Wow. I feel like being a meme is is a reward. Just ask Ken Bone. He's living life still. So this week's outro song is by Lord. Hi, Lord. Oh, not our Lord and Savior, no. or I guess your Lord and Savior. I don't the believe in that. Lord's okay. prayer, but Lord with an E. He I was born think... in '96. She's very young still. I used to think it was pronounced Lordy. Lordy. Ooh, Lordy. <laughs> I can see that. Is it Lordy me? She has come back with a song called Green Light. And I wasn't sure about it mm-hmm. because it's not very traditional in that it has predictable movements. Like, oh, you lead up with a hook and then you go to the chorus. It's the man who loves Taylor Swift. Ooh. I know. I love that. Shots fired. Which is why I had to like pause and be like, do I like this? Coming which hasn't Lord. been crafted specifically for my liking. <laughs> but I do like it. And specifically because in the beginning she's talking about an ex-lover. And she's like, this new girl that you have thinks you like the beach. You're a f***ing liar. Fraud. I'm like, oh, I like that. Fraud. It's a nice, concrete example. I think she's a good storyteller. So give it a listen. Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs for our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of the show. Please subscribe on iTunes. Also, rate us if you like us. If you don't, um, you never heard this. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. 
I am at Jimitra Says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Retweet. Bye. 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 Bye.